powered by Transistor FM. Welcome to Friends, Foes, and Neither. Do not adjust your podcatcher settings, as what you are about to hear is real. It's the Derek Duvall Show. Prepare yourself for insightful interviews with incredible people. Join us now as we delve ever deeper into the human condition. And now, coming to you live to tape from the Derek Duvall Production Bunker, it's Derek Duvall! Hello, Duvall Nation. Hello. Hi, everybody. Hey, thank you. Please, everyone, please sit. Thank you. Thank you. Hello, Duvall Nation, and welcome to the Derek Duvall Show. We are back with another fantastic journey into the lives of extraordinary people. Before I want to jump into this episode, I want to say a huge thank you to my last guest, Florian Kohler. What a super, super cool guy. The episode was incredibly well received. And in fact, I was absolutely pleased to say it was one of the most downloaded episodes we've ever had on this show. So thanks ever so much to him for taking the time to come on and talk. If you haven't had a chance to hear the interview, I encourage you to check it out after the conclusion of this episode. All right, folks, welcome to episode 119. We have a great episode lineup for you today. I've said it a million times over and over, but I love when musicians get to come on the show, and today's guest has rapidly become one of my favorite people. We have on the show incredibly talented musician Patrick Baker. The mastermind behind Call Me Up is here, and we'll be discussing all aspects of his musical career, including discussing his popular cover of the Ryex hit, Only. So much to cover, so let's just go ahead and get him on out here. Duval Nation, please rise to your feet and welcome all the way from the great state of Maryland, the amazing Patrick Baker. Patrick, hello. Welcome to the Derek Duvall Show. How is the weather by you today? Hey, Derek. Thanks for uh, having me on. It's been a little bit chilly today. It's uh, It's been kind of damp up in Maryland. Not my uh, favorite time of year, but, uh, you know, but it's, <laughs> it's, it's certainly not too cold either. It could be a lot worse. So, so I start my interviews off with the same question and it's how has it been for you to navigate the COVID-19 pandemic up to this point? Well, um, so I was one of the, the people at the beginning that was kind of doubting <laughs> what it was going to become. And I, I kind of blew it off and, and quickly realized how wrong I was. Ironically for me, outside of the fact that uh, as a musician, you know, it, it really impacted your ability to, of course, go out and, and do shows. That was a big, a big uh, change for me. But otherwise, I, I seem to, uh, you know, to kind of be in the studio, like at home a lot. And so that aspect didn't change a whole lot for me, honestly. But I definitely had, it definitely impacted my family, my mother and my stepfather ended up getting pretty bad cases of it. We're in the hospital for a while. So that was a little scary. Um, they make a good recovery. Yeah. Yeah. Luckily they did. Um, I think I took them, I, I happened to be with them at the time and, and drove my mother to the hospital and my stepfather was just like right behind her. Um, he had, a, he struggled a little bit more and, and had a little longer road to recovery, but, uh, but yeah, thankfully, you know, they both, you know, they both pulled through and, um, you know, it, it was scary, but, but I'm thankful that, you know, that it's, uh, okay. that they were able to, to, to fight it. 
Awesome. All right. So every journey has a beginning. Where were you born and what was it like to grow up there? Yeah. Um, so I'm born in East Tennessee and uh, near uh, it's a small town called Oak Ridge, actually, uh, where they made part of the the atomic bomb in the war. Interestingly enough, there's a lot of history there. But uh, yeah, so I was born there, kind of moved around a lot. Um, my father was in the army. And so we ended up kind of uh, lived around in the Northeast for a bit, actually Maryland and Massachusetts. Um, so I, uh, yeah, I didn't, I always kind of considered myself a, a Southern boy, but uh, I, I didn't actually stay kind of planted firmly in, in the South for, you know, for a lot of my life, but I didn't kind of made my way back uh, to Nashville um, as a teenager. And I kind of called that home for a long time. And, you know, I, I really, I still have a warm place in my heart for Nashville, for Tennessee and the South, uh, Southeast. And, and I still, I still go back there, still have family and friends. So yeah, it was, uh, you know, it was interesting moving around a lot, definitely getting kind of exposed to different parts of the country and different kind of accents and people and, you know, different, a uh, little bit different culture and things like that. But, um, it was always seemed like a, an adventure, uh, for sure to kind of, you know, go from place to place. Yeah. So at what age did you decide you want to interested in music? Let's see. Yeah, that's a good question. I guess it was probably, I would say probably like 12, maybe, um, 11 or 12. I actually, before I'd ever picked up a guitar, I had, uh, I was taken by rap music and I begged my mother to get me a keyboard and I really, I just, I don't know, it, it just kind of struck me one day that, Hey, I think I could maybe make rhymes and, and rap. And I, I started just kind of playing around with it. And, and, uh, then I asked for the keyboard and so I started, uh, kind of making beats on the keyboard basically. And I would hook that up, um, and record just little impromptu kind of, uh, you know, songs, beats and, and rap over. Sometimes it would just be music. Sometimes it would just be kind of improvisational, but, uh, but yeah, that was kind of like, my start into music and i knew it was something that that i enjoyed and it was it felt just kind of a natural mm. hobby that i gravitated towards um and it kind of just grew from there i guess when i finally got into rock music a few years later and uh, and then into guitar um it just like it just kept kind of growing and deepening um and it probably helped that my my father was in a band in high school he had played saxophone and my uncles were in bands, they played guitar. So it was something that was, I guess, around, you know, just growing up, it was kind of in, in the background. My dad was also a DJ, uh, DJ for, um, did some like country music and things like that. So you mentioned the uh, keyboards and guitar. How many other instruments can you play? Let's see. It's a good question. I think, you know, guitar is definitely my main instrument, but, um, keyboards kind of like, I look at it as a secondary, I would say, I could I could probably pick up if it's got strings on it or keys I can kind of stumble my way through it and, and play uh, you know something I wouldn't say I'm proficient at a lot of things but maybe I don't know maybe like four or five instruments I can play a little bass a little bit of drums um, you know I've been known to pick up an odd uh, wind instrument in a store just like something cheap just to kind of experiment with. I like to um, 
record different sounds, even if I can't, something I would never play on stage, maybe it could find its way into a recording or music production or something like that. So what is your process for writing music? Uh, it's it's kind of it's kind of evolved, I think, over the years and, and changed. Um, I think more recently, it tends to be more music production based where I'm often um, kind of maybe I'll, I'll record a, a keyboard or a guitar part and, and have a, maybe like a theme or just some chord changes and and I'll maybe build build on sounds, add things, kind of maybe try to like sculpt the landscape from just like a music perspective. And then when that feels like it has some kind of cohesiveness to it, I'll come back and try to uh, write a melody and a lyric on top of that, like vocal. Um, but I think in years before that, it was a lot of times just picking up a guitar or, or uh, sitting at a piano or keyboard and just kind of stumbling along and singing random melodies and just letting you just kind of seeing what fell out of uh the chords and in my mouth as i was singing and it would be very kind of happenstance um sometimes i might have a lyric idea but a lot of times it was just on this almost like a stream of just letting things flow out and just see if if anything inspired me as, as i uh as i was sitting there so, you know, sometimes it's, it's fun to do that. Sometimes the technology, it's a tool, but it can also be a barrier. And um, so I, I kind of go back and forth, I think, between those two modes of being more like a production composing mindset versus just, you know, picking up an instrument and, and just kind of playing with it, you know, kind of noodling. You know, I want to talk about your, what I consider maybe your calling card, Call Me Up. I think that's yeah. uh, it's a great track. Uh, it's very, very popular. I see it on a lot of playlists and what have you. How long did it take you to create that track? Oh, well, I appreciate that. Thank you. Um, that, yeah, that track, it was actually, it was one of those, um, I think it was one of those ones they talk about. Sometimes you'll hear musicians or songwriters talk about the their most successful songs or the ones they end up, you know that connect with people or resonate tend to be these ones that just come together in a matter of you know hours or, or it's very quick as opposed to the ones where you're just you know kind of grinding away on it for you know for days that was a quick that was a pretty quick one um i think it was i think i had most of it done within one night actually oh, wow that was a case where i had an idea of where i wanted to go like the overall kind of picture of, of how I wanted it to feel. I didn't necessarily have lyrics or anything in mind, but I, I knew that I just wanted like acoustic guitar and, you know, kind of do a, um, kind of a stripped down dancey kind of electronic production and kind of marry those two styles together. Mm -hmm. And then the, the lyric was just, it was one of those situations that like kind of what I was talking about where I had the music, and then I just went back and and uh, the the vocal just kind of came together really quickly for it. Mm. And um, I, I, yeah, it, it was it was probably, you know, over the course of four hours or something where I had the music and then they had the vocal. And then from there, I think it was probably just tweaking little little bits and pieces of it. Um, but uh, yeah, I guess it was kind of it was my way of kind of bringing in some of my maybe that nashville you know tennessee 
uh, parts, you know, influences <laughs> that I had there and, and kind of bringing that into some of the new, newer, uh, electronic music, different house and different genres that I had been exposed to more recently. And, um, but yeah, I got, I just kind of got lucky on that one. You know, it's amazing. Um, obviously, like I said, you see it, it's been applied on a different, on different playlists and how you, were you yourself surprised by the response to it? Um, I was a little bit. Yeah. I, it, it was, uh, it's, sometimes you write a song and it, and you think, oh, you know, this is, this came out just how I envisioned and you're excited about it. And maybe it just doesn't, for whatever reason, doesn't connect with people uh, the way that you think. And then in the case of that song, I, I was, I was happy with it. I was excited and, and it came together so quickly, which usually is a good sign, but um, I didn't expect it, it surprised me that like right away I was started to get some emails from some people like uh like uh, record labels and and some people reached out like hey this is uh you know really like this track would like to talk more things like that and it surprised me that it it was almost like there was something that just clicked with people and i couldn't really explain you know i couldn't tell you why but uh so so yeah i think it was a bit surprising um that i got such a, a a uh, good response so quickly from it is it one of those songs that you know if you play live people are just like hey play this play this play this kind of like Fleetwood Mac if you go to a Fleetwood Mac concert <laughs> you're going to hear go your own way one way or the right. other if right. you go to a Patrick Baker concert you're going to hear call me up is that correct yeah 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 that's it's uh that's definitely probably between that and then my cover of the song only yeah. those are the two that uh tend to be requested the most for sure <laughs> We're going to talk about only in a few minutes, but I want to ask this one question, and that is, how big of a part has SiriusXM played in your success? Oh, a huge part. Yeah, I'd say that was a very instrumental piece of of getting my music out there. And actually, Ben Harvey, who was the the DJ on SiriusXM, the Chill Station, he's now he's gone on and and he's actually started his own label that he's running now, but. Um, but yeah, he was an early supporter of my music. Actually, I did a a feature, a vocal feature with a, a producer, Lane Eight. I've kind of I've known him for several years now, and, and we worked together on a few songs. And Ben had played; he had supported our uh, song called "The One." And I basically just kind of reached out to thank him, and and uh, we had kind of kept in touch over the years. And I'd I would send him you know songs as occasionally and. And he was, uh, he was always really supportive. He, you know, definitely the one was got a, a huge, uh, support from, uh, from chill from Sirius XM. And, um, I was surprised cause I was, when I would tour some and go out, I would have people come out and say, oh yeah, I know this song from, from Sirius XM. And that was a really, uh, it was exciting. And, uh, yeah, I've definitely been grateful for their support. That's awesome. Sirius XM is how I discovered you. I'm not going to lie. Your cover of Ryex is only, which mm -hmm. my wife was very quick to point out when I played it for her. Uh, the original song was played at the end credits with the episode of Ted Lasso. What was, uh, yes. <laughs> yeah. Uh, what was the decision to cover that particular song? Yeah, that's no, a great question. It's funny because cover songs, like I always thought of myself as primarily a songwriter, but over the years, I've kind of realized that there's something uh that's fulfilling and fun you know as a music musician or music artist whatever you want to say that when you get to cover another artist you're almost 
putting back on your fan hat and you kind of get out of that headspace when you're riding a lot. You're, it's, it's just like a different, you know, mindset. And so for me, uh, as a music fan, I, I really, um, I kind of stumbled on his music, you know, Rax's music and, um, that song just, I just thought it was gorgeous and it just resonated with me. And I thought, wow, this is beautiful. Um, and it would be so cool to, to just, you know, t do my own interpretation of it, which it's, uh, you know, sometimes it can be, uh, depending on the song, you know, you can maybe have expectations to, li to live up to, but it can also be fun to just put your own spin on something. And, um, yeah, I think it was just a case of being a fan of his and, and being a fan of the song. And I just, I don't know, it just kind of felt, um, it felt like right for that moment. Uh, and it, it was definitely like right in that space that I was in of this acoustic meets electronic kind of, uh, motif that I had, that I had been in. And, and it seemed like just the perfect song for that, for that moment, I guess. Mm. Has you has he ever reached out to you to tell you what he thought of it? No, I, I'm curious. I would I would definitely uh, be curious what he what he thinks because I know that uh, you know when we ended up releasing it through my label at the time uh, Armada, um, and they had to secure a, a license for the song through his publisher. So I was always curious, you know, if he you know heard it and what is what he thought of it. So uh, yeah, I'm, I'm certainly curious. Maybe one day, maybe one day I'll find out. <laughs> Okay, we're going to go ahead and hear that massive hit right now. Duval Nation, crank up the volume, and please enjoy Patrick Baker's cover of the Ryex hit, Only. Between us 
Okay, Duval Nation, we're going to go ahead and take a small break right here, but we will be right back with the conclusion of this interview with Patrick Baker. May I suggest you take this time to refresh that drink and take some super long, deep breaths, you know, Clouseau style. Out with the bad air, in with the good. Out with the bad air, in with the good. Please give your attention to a few friends of the show, and we will be right back. Enjoy listening to podcasts and ever wonder, can I make a podcast? But it seems so complicated, and good audio production can take time. What if there was a way to create an amazing podcast easily? Well, now there is. Introducing Podcasting Made Easy from Podtastic Audio. My production team will handle your entire audio production, allowing you to be the star of your show. This is Podcasting Made Easy. How easy? Well, so easy, you don't even have to press record. Now that's easy. Your listeners are waiting. Let's deliver. Sign up for a free strategy call today at podtasticaudio.com slash easy. Duval Nation, Derek and Mindy Duval here to talk about Jerky Pro, the standard in premium beef jerky products. The Derek Duval Show and Derek and Mindy's Fun With Movies is proud to be sponsored by the team at Jerky Pro. As a veteran, I am always the first to support veteran-owned businesses. Setting up shop in 1987 and founded by military and paramilitary veterans, they have set the bar for how beef jerky is processed, flavored, packaged, and sold. With strict quality control standards, Jerky Pro offers many flavors that are sure to please any beef jerky connoisseur. From the standard original flavor to honey glazed, peppered, teriyaki, sweet barbecue, or, if you're brave enough, the fierce red hot, there are many flavors guaranteed to entice your palate. Offered in various sized packaging, use promo code DUBALL37, all in capital letters, at checkout to receive a 5% discount. Remember, folks, if your beef jerky is not making your mouth water, then it's not Jerky Pro Beef Jerky. Jerky Pro, the standard in premium beef jerky products. Hey, it's Presley Tennant, and you're listening to The Derek Duvall Show. You can find my brand new EP, 600 Miles, on all streaming platforms right now. Teachers, do you ever have these feelings or have been told these things? Do you want Kleenex for your classroom? Maybe you should think about buying your own with your own money. You get the summer off, you can have a second job. Do you really need a pay raise? Oh, do you need to use the restroom? Maybe you can do that in the three minutes while students are changing classes. Boy, sure hope your room doesn't descend into Lord of the Flies in that time. Oh, things are going pretty good for one. Surprise! Budget cuts! Well, you're in luck because we've got a book just for you. Hi, everyone. It's Katie Kinder, educator, speaker, and author of Untold Teaching Truths. 
I invite you to purchase my book and join this journey as we talk about the wild world of public education. Part memoir, part strategy. It is available on BookBaby, Amazon, or wherever books are sold. Teach on Warriors. We've got this. Looking for a new podcast? Check out the Infectious Groove podcast. My name is Russ, and I host the show along with Michelle and Kyle. Every Monday, the three of us bring you music news and tell you our jammy jams, so you'll always have new music to check out. The Infectious Groove podcast discusses music from nearly every decade and genre while openly displaying our passion for music you need to hear. On top of that, we have a thought-provoking main topic of discussion every week to get you thinking, discussing, and sharing music. We also include interviews with the music stars of yesterday, today, and tomorrow. Find us on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and all major podcast platforms. Subscribe and listen to the Infectious Groove podcast on your favorite podcast platform today. I want to be as high as these billionaires in space. Sell out the sky like these billionaires in space. Hi, this is Dominic Canarella. I'm Eric McCoy. And I'm Max Meislish. We are Them Fantasies. Right now, you're listening to our brand new single, Billionaires. Billionaires is about how absurd it is that the mega-rich are going to space, as if there's nothing left for them here on Earth. Nowhere else to go but up, right? You can listen to Billionaires now on all streaming platforms, and be sure to check out our brand new music video on our YouTube channel. You can find us anywhere on social media at Them underscore Fantasies. Hello everyone, this is Janae Sergio, life coach, combat veteran, and best-selling author. I invite you to purchase my new book, Perfectly Flawed, A Veteran's Journey from Homeless to Hero. In these pages, you will learn about the lowest struggles of my life to the absolute triumphs that have made me the strong woman I am today. Follow along as I talk about homelessness, my naval role in Operation Enduring Freedom, navigating insurmountable odds, and how I dealt with and overcame them. You can find Perfectly Flawed on Amazon, Barnes & Noble, or wherever books are sold. Welcome back to episode 119 of the Derek Duvall Show. Let's get right back to it with the conclusion of our interview with the insanely talented musician, Patrick Baker. So the Dusk EP continues to be on, like I said, many people's playlists I've seen online. How long did it take to put that EP together? Oh, wow. That's a great question. Yeah, it was... I think some of those songs I had had maybe I had finished and they were just kind of, you know, put on the shelf for a little bit. Of course, Call Me Up was, that was a, a quick one. It's probably over the course of maybe a year or two, I think. It wasn't just, it wasn't one of those EPs where I sat down and, and said, I'm going to write songs that are going to go on an EP. It was more like I was in the flow of just writing several songs back to back. And, uh, and some songs I would, at the time I would send them to Armada, who was uh, my label at the time and just, you know, get, try to get feedback. And, and so there was this process of just kind of writing, producing, kind of iterate on that, do different versions. And I think they came up with an idea to you know, to pull some of those into uh, an EP. And so it's more or less like choosing the songs that kind of felt right, you know, that would fit on that. So I'd say they probably, if you looked at the time I spent, it was probably maybe, you know, a year's worth of, of writing, um, just kind of like on and off at different points. One of the reasons I like having musicians on my show is because music is a big part of my life. What do you enjoy most? about performing live? 
Well, yeah, I, I certainly relate to that music. Uh, definitely growing up, it, yeah, it was always such a, a huge thing for me too. Um, and it, I think for me, for, for performing live, definitely when I was a teenager and, you know, we, we had a lot of different bands that we would basically just get together and jam and just kind of improvise. And, and sometimes we'd play cover songs like Zeppelin or whatever. Uh, sometimes we would just kind of just improvise and just kind of go with the flow. And for me, that part, that aspect of playing live is very, uh, people talk about getting in like a flow state and it can apply to anything that, that's, uh, that place where it's kind of timeless, where you're just in the moment, whatever you're doing, it it's kind of feels effortless and it's very, I don't know, it feels, it just feels really good. And, I love that kind of flow state that you can get in when you're performing, especially if it's um, a situation where maybe you're improvising or it's like if you take a solo, if you're playing an instrument and, and, and you just get, you know, some leeway to just kind of stretch your wings and just kind of go with it. Um, so I, I love that aspect of it. And I think also um, if, it's, if it's performing a song, I think it's really fulfilling to have, you know, just live humans in front of you that you're kind of, it feels like a little bit like a conversation, although, you know, you're not uh, necessarily talking like, you know, back and forth in real time, but it is, it does feel a little bit like an interaction where you're exchanging something. And it really, I know a lot of performers feel that way that uh, they get something from, you know, from the people that they perform for. And hopefully the audience feels the same way too. So it is kind of this exchange of uh, where you're sharing something and, and, and you're both, I don't know, feeling that connection from it. Mm-hmm. Of all the people out there, who is your dream collaboration? Oh, wow. That's, uh, that's a great question. <laughs> <laughs> As a fan, I mean, I've, one of my favorite singers, he's, uh, is the, uh, this is the late Jeff Buckley. As far as somebody that I would work with, mm, gosh, yeah, that's a tough one. I've always been, uh, I've been a big fan of RAC. He does kind of a uh, electronic music, but it feels very much like something a band would would do. It feels almost like, you know, kind of like a, like a group of musicians would something you put together just playing with people, but he, but he produces, you know, it all himself. And I always thought that was, I was really connected with his style and he's just, he's worked with some really great artists over the years as well. A lot of great vocalists from different bands, I think like Tokyo police club and, and different. Um, yeah. He's, he's just done so many great things. I, I would, I, I've always thought that would be fun to, uh, to do a song with him. So yeah, that's definitely, I, I know there's probably, dozens <laughs> <laughs> so again like i said i love having musicians on my show and there's one question that i've asked every single one who's come on this on this show and the the answers have been so varying and my question is what are your opinions on the state of streaming services right now oh wow <laughs> yeah that's a that's a great that's a great question i'm 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 sure you do get a lot of different answers. I've had everybody uh, from like the old school, like we're talking like, you know, the, the legends of the eighties to people yeah. who have come out today and they all have very different uh, answers to this question. 
it's a tough one. Like, I was even actually talking about this recently, you know, and I have, I have other musician friends who have varying opinions as well. And I was just, I was talking to somebody that maybe last week about kind of the, the peak period of the music industry when you, you know, you had CDs that were selling for 20 bucks and, <laughs> and, and kind of in all the, you know, the revenue that was generating to then how Napster and, and pirating kind of, you know, took the bottom out of things. And then we kind of felt like things had to kind of crawl back slowly. And so it's, in a way, it, it feels like streaming is like a reaction to the pirating uh, <laughs> kind of phase when, you know, the, the genie was out of the bottle and it's like, oh, we need to, we need to change our model here. And it, so it kind of feels like a reaction. And in that sense, I think it's great that we were able to move to something where, uh, you know, at one point people are just grabbing stuff, whatever they could get. And now we're actually, you're paying for access and at least people are getting paid. I think that's great. Um, and honestly, you know, Spotify has been a uh, big supporters of my music as well. Um, and, uh, on, on their new music Friday, they've, you know, they've helped to push some of my releases. So I, I felt gratitude for them, you know, for Spotify as someone that, or as a company that supported me. I think, I think that it feels like the market and, and where we're at is matured to a point where I think even though all the streaming services aren't necessarily paying the same rate and it doesn't always seem quite equitable uh, on like the free tier, I think, the, I think the hardest thing is like when you have the ad supported tiers and you just have such a lower rate on those. To me, that's a little, it's a tougher sell. And I think like Apple Music is one thing that's nice about a, a service like Apple is they don't have the free tier. So you automatically, you know, as a musician, you're getting compensated better. I, uh, yeah, I mean, generally I like the model. I mean, I, I do as a, as a music listener, I, I love that I can go on Spotify and, and pull up, you know, like all of Bob Dylan's catalog or, or something and just listen to, you know, stuff that I, I might never have in my collection that I you know would have bought in the past. I like the model. It does. I, I do wish that, you know, the, the payouts maybe <laughs> seemed a little more comparable to like what a, an iTunes download or something would be, um, you know, in the past, but I'm, I'm generally, I'd say I'm, my views are pretty positive overall. Um, I think there's some differences with different streaming services that make it a little tricky. I'd, I'd like to see more equality across the board as far as like the rates you get paid out. But, you know, generally I'm, I'm a fan, um, you know, but I'm also, you know, I'm not like an artist that was, uh, making a bunch and then ha had that cut into by pirating either. So I'm sure, you know, there's different viewpoints on that, but yeah, I've, I've generally, I'd say I'm, I'm supportive, you know, there with some caveats. <laughs> in all your time in the music industry, what would you say has been the best piece of advice anyone has ever given you? Oh gosh. Yeah. I've gotten lots of, lots of good advice. I think there was a point where I was sending out a lot of music to get feedback on from people. And, uh, you know, somebody made the point where 
I think it, it it depends on maybe where you're at in your your career, or if you're just kind of starting out, or you're trying to get a break. And sometimes, uh, you know, you got gatekeepers, or you got people you're trying to you're trying to get their ear and you're trying to get their approval, and it can be easy to to kind of doubt yourself or take what they say and their critiques and just take them you know, completely 100% as I need to go change this. And somebody told me that, um, you know, don't just, just because, you know, some A&R guy tells you that you need to change this or it's not good, or you need to do a different style or whatever. It Don't just think, oh, they're right. I need to do this. You know, you need to kind of take it, take it with a grain of salt and also look are you getting feedback from a lot of people that are saying one thing? Um, you know, and, and I think for me, it's been important over the years to, to kind of be more comfortable with just owning, you know, my opinion of what I want to do and not necessarily deferring to somebody that I think knows better. Um, you know, I guess they, some people talk about having your, an artistic vision and sticking with that and, and so, yeah, it was a peer of mine at the time, I think, that it said that um, don't put too much stock, you know, into other people's opinions, even though they might be in a, a position of power at, at a, a label or, or some, you know, something similar that, that doesn't necessarily mean that what they say is gospel. So. Hmm. All right. So as we enter the final phase of this interview, I always like to ask one fun question. When you aren't doing music, what do you like to do to relax? Are you into any shows? What What do you do to unwind? Well, uh, I've been known to do a little bit of meditation, <laughs> not as much as lately um, as I used to, but that's that's one of those things that I've I try to work more in. Um, I uh, I kind of got uh, I've gotten into kind of through my music, gotten into uh, photography and videography a bit. Um, and so I do that sometimes just on the side. Um, yeah, just, um, maybe enjoy a bit of yoga sometimes. Um, nice. it's another, yeah, another thing that I've, that I, uh, need to spend some more time doing. I used to, I used to do a lot more, but, uh, yeah, I think, and, and just reading, I, I love to, um, I'm very much a geek with tech stuff. So I'm always just trying to keep up with, especially like all the latest AI and machine learning things going on. I think it, in the art space with like with uh, images and audio and video, it's, I think all that's really exciting. And, and uh, so I, I like to kind of dig in deep on some of the, on some of that stuff. And um, yeah, I don't know. I find that all really fascinating. It's all right. Okay. All right. So, what's next for Patrick Baker? Uh, well, I just uh, I just uh, finished up a song. It's actually a cover uh, of a song called "Sorrow" by The National. Who's? Uh, oh, I love that song. Yeah. Okay. So I you know, know that song. I do know that song. I love The National. Right. Yeah. Great. Oh man, they're so good, right? Mm -hmm. Um. Yeah. I love love them. And and it was you know another opportunity where I, I put on my my fan hat and said, "Wow, that would be." 
uh, it would be fun to do a national song. So yeah, I just finished that out. It just um, came out on Spotify and all the streaming platforms, uh, Apple, YouTube and all that. So uh, I shot a little video for that and yeah. Um, so I'm excited that's done and I'm going to try to get, you know, just maybe get some more music out in the coming weeks. Okay. We are super lucky and we have a copy of Patrick's new single. So here is the cover of the Nationals classic song and one of my personal favorites. Here is Sorrow. The sorrow found me when I was young. The sorrow waited, sorrow won. Sorrow they put me on the pill. So as we get to widen on this interview, what's the best way for my listeners to follow your adventures online? 
yeah uh patrickbakermusic.com is my site and um that's got all links to all my socials on there and uh so yeah so drop by and uh check it out or send me an email and say hi it's awesome all right patrick i end my interviews with my favorite question and the question is this if the entire planet was listening to this broadcast what would be the one thing you would like to say to the people of earth mm. i think to remember that we're all on the same side at the end of the day and it's easy to get caught up in labels and think that we all are fighting for different things but i think we need to just try to remember that you know we're all trying to live our best lives we all generally want the same thing and and i think it's it's just it's easy to start looking at people as being on different sides and and uh you know it but at the end of the day you know we're we're not really so so yeah just just remember that we're on the same side patrick congratulations on your success i'm i'm not gonna lie i'm a fan you you made me a fan so uh i can't <laughs> Thanks, wait Dick. i can't wait to see you come up with next oh excited to hear what you yeah what you think of it yeah you also let me know all right all my best to you patrick yeah, you too, Derek. Thanks for having me on, and thanks for your service. And just like that, Duval Nation, we come to the end of episode 119. I want to thank Patrick for taking the time to come on the show. As you can tell, a truly down-to-earth guy, and I am always correct when my gut tells me we are going to be hearing amazing things from him in the years to come. Okay, tune in again next time as we showcase another extraordinary person. I have a really, really good one coming up in a few days, so be sure to keep checking your favorite podcast streaming channel for that episode to drop. Have you enjoyed this episode? I truly hope so. So if you did, please hit that subscribe button to keep up to date for when the new episodes drop. Also, if you're feeling generous, drop us a review. We love reading what our listeners have to say about us, good or bad. And believe me, there are a few bad ones out there, but I think they did it mostly as a joke. At least that's what I want to believe. We are still enjoying our partnership with the Amazing Tea Public. The Derek Duvall Show has a great little store on there, and we have everything with our logo on it, including magnet stickers and mugs. Plus, we selected T-shirts we wanted on our store. We have everything from Ruth Bader Ginsburg, Pride shirts, Norm MacDonald, and so much more. Go to our website, DerekDuvallShow.com. Go to the banner on the left that says Merch. Click that, and you'll be taken to our store on Tea Public. And we want to thank Tea Public again for being such great partners with us. On behalf of myself and the entire team here at The Derek Duvall Show, I want to say to each and every one of you listening, watch a movie this weekend that makes you laugh. <laughs> I know a lot of us could use one right now. No star, God bless, and see you next time. Planet Earth. This has been a recording of The Derek Duvall Show, and we thank you for listening. Please go to our website, DerekDuvallShow.com for links to merchandise and to explore past episodes. Please find us on social media on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at Derek Duval Show.